Welcome to Save It For The Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Pat Cusick, alongside my co-host, John Doyle. How's it going, everybody? And Mark Cacuzzo. Hello, everyone. Happy, unfortunately, early start to the week. It's an early start to the week podcast. It is. Save It For The Podcast. Yep. A Tuesday episode this week as we've uh, kind of been working around a summer schedule, which not unlike many people out there, hopefully... Uh, that's been fine for everybody. I think it's, you know, as we get back to fall and football rolling around, we'll hopefully have a little more of a regular set schedule to keep everybody updated. This is episode 29. We've got a ton to get into this week. Uh, some fun, um, big questions. We've got some updates on our fantasy football league, which I think a lot of people are excited to hear about. We've got a ton of submissions to get into. What do people want to get into in the intro? Anything jumping off the bat at people? Real quick, the year, real quick, the year is 2012. It's the Patriots versus the Ravens in the AFC championship game. The, the Ravens are driving. It's 31-28. Joe Flacco throws, a, throws what looks like it's going to be a touchdown to put the Ravens up top over the Patriots. The receiver catches the ball, puts one foot down. As he's stepping his second foot down, the Patriots cornerback knocks that ball out of his hand, preserving the lead. And then we all know that Billy Cundiff went in there, shanked the field goal. Patriots won, went on to play in the Super Bowl. Obviously didn't didn't win, but anywho, name that receiver, that Ravens receiver. Name that Patriots cornerback. Derek Mason and Ellis Hobbs. Wrong. John, go ahead. I have no idea. Wasn't Derek Mason? The receiver was Lee Evans. Ah, uh, Lee Evans. Who was pretty good with the Bills. Mm. And the quarterback, who is part of my all-names team, was Earth Wind Moreland, number 29, folks. Ah, there Episode we go. Episode 29. That makes sense. Was Ellis Hobbs? What number was Ellis Hobbs? Ellis, 21? Uh, uh, Hollywood. Ellis Hobbs was yeah. 27, 27. Which I mentioned in two That's podcasts right. ago on Episode yeah, 27. Yeah, try to keep up Pat. Yeah. Alright, well that was an interesting look back to a year where nothing good happened for the Patriots anyways, even though they did win on that Billy That was a hell of a game though. Was. Um, anything else this week in the intro? I don't have a ton. Um, you know, it's actually, I mean, it's a short turnaround for us this week, so I covered the male saga. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I know what it is. And I wanted to add something too, but go ahead. Pat, well, uh, let me, let me go, right? Yeah, of course. No, I know. I didn't know if Pat was done yet. So, the male saga. Yes. Our nice. friend Jimmy, who is an ex-postal carrier. Deposed mailman. Depo- yeah, you know, he's, he was stripped of his little patch and, and satchel <laughs> years ago. He messaged me the day after and said, I know exactly what's happening with Pat's mail. And he sent me this message. And I don't mean to toot my own horn, but I wasn't far off. Jimmy, Jimmy's response was, since it's the summer, they don't have anyone to cover the route. So they break it up into six one-hour pieces for OT for other mailmen that usually deliver it at the end of the day after they finish their own route. Ah, there we go. That makes a lot of sense. And then and he I said, don't think some days they're even bringing it. And then he said, pick your battles. Only bad news comes in the mail. Disagreed. I get lots of good news in the mail. I get almost no bad news. So Jimmy's wrong there because I'm waiting on the RSVPs, of which Mock has not returned his yet. Shit. Again, still not there. We do have a bit of good would you, news. Would you say that's good news? That people like Mock are returning them or not returning them? Well, the, the ones that say they aren't coming are good. No, no. I want the I want everybody to come. I Particularly because, you know, we've already sorted it's most rapidly of rapidly approaching. Out. It's a month away. It is very soon. It's a, le- yeah, it's a month and a Six week weeks, away. Yeah. 
Almost like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess, well, I guess like what, five weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is very, very soon. It, it is coming around the bend. My, we're talking about my wedding, of course, which we'll have to tweak our podcasting schedule because my fiance and soon-to-be wife did forbid me from podcasting from um, the Bahamas where we'll be doing our honeymoon. Because I had an idea, maybe I'd just bring my computer or you know, we'd Skype in, blah, blah, blah. She cut that in the bud, so I'll have to maybe do it the week oh, before. Oh, for God's sakes, Amy. Yeah. How selfish can you be? <laughs> I do have a bit of good news to share, which um, I should have probably mentioned right off the bat. Um, closely related to this podcast are my sister, obviously, <laughs> and her husband, Dan. My sister just gave birth to uh, her newborn baby this morning at 9.01. Nolan Daniel Cusick Orcut, 8 pounds, 7 ounces at the birth. So uh, she's doing great. Uh, Dan probably was a little more shaky, but Margaret held up great. So, brand new baby into the Save It for the Podcast family. It's amazing. Right. Congratulations yep. to Margaret and Dan. That's and to you, Pat. Uh, yeah. Uncle Patrick. Hashtag Uncle. Hashtag Uncle. Funkle. Uh, with all the babies being born in the Save It for the Podcast family, we may want to re-gear our merchandise strategy towards like infant onesies or bibs or something. I along thought you were going to say contraception. No, not those. Uh, we need as many more me. listeners as possible, so we need to expand the Save It for the Podcast. The universe. only contraception we believe here at Save It for the Podcast is prayer. Correct? <laughs> <Yeah>. That's all. <laughs> but yeah, congratulations to Margaret and Dan. They're thrilled. We've got some great photos of the baby. Uh, my mom got to get over there today, so that's awesome. That's awesome. Congrats, guys. Yeah, yeah we're, we're really, huge. really happy for them. Uh, the second baby born very close to this podcast during our only 29-week run. Yeah, who's next is the real yeah, question. Exactly. Don't look at me. <laughs> but Amy's not pregnant either, so don't look at us yet. Yeah, um, some some random woman is going to kick in the door and can't buy <laughs> yeah, yeah. is, is Albert neutered? Well, he can't get pregnant, but he is eating your mask right now. Well, I, I know, thanks. I know he, he's, eating, of, he's eating your mask. Folks, I... <laughs> you have to wear that home. Alvin, Alvin's having a hell of a performance so far tonight, folks. It's a tough stop for Alvin. chewed on my mask because I take an Uber over here. At, right, right after he had just chewed on John's microphone foamy thing. Yeah, um, strange stop for executive Alan. producer. One thing I was going to add to the uh, in, to the intro, gentlemen, was again MLB nailed it with the Angels and the Indians playing in the Little League World Series fields type oh, of thing. Oh, well, I'm standing right now. How yeah, was it? I didn't actually get it. It was awesome. I think they did a really good job with it. The game, unfortunately, was not nearly as exciting as the White Sox and Yankees game, and the uh, kind of ambiance in terms of the field, how that was, was yeah. a little cool, I think. But it was very cool because they had all the little leaguers watching the game. And they also set it up where the the starting pitcher introduced himself and he said, like, who his favorite singer is. and Oh, so just like the little Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So it was very exciting. It was, um, it was cool for the players to be able to interact with the young kids and vice versa. In a sport that's really struggling to maintain some youth that are interested in the game, I think that was a very good marketing ploy that they did a hell of a job there was one gentleman um, that he had a baseball bat that looked like a giant crayon <laughs> oh so I saw this, that foul so pole yeah so in this yeah. exactly yeah foul, foul pole yellow exactly John so in the same vein as the Field of Dreams Yankees White Sox game I think it was a very cool addition to a pretty monotonous uh, MLB baseball season and, uh, and, I, and, I, and I, I spoke incorrectly it's Williamsport is where it is not Williamston was, no, Williamsburg, right? right? No, it's Williams, Williamsport. 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 Oh, I don't know why yeah. I thought it was Williamsport. Williamsport. Is Williamsport in... Um, 
I don't know what that is. But, yeah, no, I saw that. that that's pretty cool. The, the more of that novelty stuff they can do, and they wore, like, the uh, like Great Lakes versus West yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that was like cool, the different, right. I like that. So, yeah, that and also, they had... they. They showed a, n- a number of the players, like they showed Shoho Itani's little league picture. They basically did every every baseball player's little league picture. It was really cool. Nice. They did a good job. Sox are actually playing in that game next year against the Orioles. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Cool. so that'll be fun. Uh, all right, well, not a ton in the intro, but let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with uh, loaded three big questions. Thanks for listening to Save It For The Podcast. To learn more about the show and your three fearless hosts, please visit us at saveforthepodcast.net uh, or send us an email at saveforthepodcast365 at gmail.com. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Welcome back to the show, everybody, and three big questions. Pretty excited this week. We get to delve into a different uh, sports category this week for college football. Officially kicks off on Saturday. Only a couple games this weekend, but we have to talk about it now because it's the very beginning of the season. Wanted to know um, what you guys are looking forward to this year as in terms of who are players to look out for for the Heisman, who are teams that you're looking to have great seasons, and is there anything you're looking forward to in this? It's a smaller slate, this like week zero as they call it, but it's a good appetizer for the regu- uh, the rest of the season. What are you guys looking forward to? Uh, now that college football is back. Should we talk about at all um, this announcement from the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 today? Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I do think that sort of over... Because I'm pretty excited for the college football season to add something else to the slate. You know, I feel like we've... So listeners to this podcast can probably attest. It's like been a slog to get through. The, the Olympics weren't great this summer, and baseball's been kind of up and down, but I'm excited to get college football back. But it does seem like... There's a lot of moving pieces going on, you know. SEC announced, or they didn't announce, but Oklahoma and Texas announced they'll be joining the SEC sort of at the beginning of, um, I guess I'd say the summer, maybe or middle yeah. summer. And now, in response to that, the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 today announced that they're going to work together to sort of stabilize a volatile environment throughout college athletics is how they phrased it. I think that essentially means combat the SEC, right? So that won't impact this year as much, but I do think it's probably the biggest story going on, right? We're going to have almost the SEC yeah. in its own with this mega... How many people will be in it? 16 teams? Oh my God. Like that? Already, 12, 12 teams? Sorry, 12 teams maybe? So the ACC... Uh, did you say Texas and Oklahoma are... Did you say Texas and Oklahoma? Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Are joining the SEC? Did you see Johnny Manziel's response when they said that, that they were... When Texas and Oklahoma were going into the SEC? No, no. He basically, well, he basically was shitting on the Big Ten, saying that a lot, like along the lines of, you're not gonna have any gimmies, because I guess they say the Big Ten's pretty weak compared to the SEC, which I tend to. Agree. Yeah, I mean that seems to bear itself out every year. Right. When yeah. they, when it comes down to it, there'll be like an undefeated Big Ten team, and they get absolutely smoked. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, well, I, I also like I thought some of this uh, reorganization is sort of a scramble to combat the um, like the players having the NIL rules. The NIL rule. So it makes them all like so like if you if you all get together and do it, it's sort of like you're all fighting the same battle against the same players. So I guess it's a recruiting thing as well. Although I don't understand the finer points of it, I thought that that was part of the reason that they were going to reorg. Yeah, I do. I definitely think that's a piece of it. I think. Uh 
Texas and Oklahoma viewed the SEC as the best possible spot where, like, you get the biggest games, make the most money, the players will be most attracted. And the rest of the organization sort of looked at it as, like, how do we respond to that? Well, if we all band together. And I, from what my understanding of it is, and I think one of the things we'll want to get into, because this will be unique now in 2021, is um, what the best non-conference games are. Because probably in the few coming years, the SEC will be kind of barred from these non-conference games. Yeah. You know, like the season starts off with this year with Alabama versus Miami. Mm -hmm. That will not happen in the years to come because the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12, what they have essentially agreed to is they're going to play their non-conference games against each other. Right. So that they're able to say, like, they say Clemson, right? They'll play the best team in the Big Ten. They'll sure, play Oklahoma yeah. or whatever. Oh, or, or not Oklahoma. Anymore. They'll play Ohio State. They'll play, yeah, they'll play Ohio State. Sorry, not they'll they'll play Ohio State or right. They'll play. Um, For example, right. So like, they're saying the number three most anticipated game, at least for, I guess for week one, is Clemson. Is, is Clemson versus Georgia? Yeah, that's Georgia. that's one of the early games of the year, and that probably might what I would say is that. Um, well, that's ACC. Well, we, 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 but that's ACC, not, SEC. But that won't happen, really. Again, this is what I'm saying. Right? Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Georgia, SEC, big, big SEC team. Yeah. So as opposed to Clemson seeking out Georgia, they would seek out Ohio State or Michigan or Michigan State. Exactly. That that's exactly what we're. That's not good for college football. Isn't it? I don't know though. It's tough to tell. Like I, I actually agree with you. I think it's better off when all the teams play each other because what I don't think you want is Alabama. And what other, whatever, some other SEC team go one goes undefeated, one has one loss. Right, they LSU, both get into the playoffs, and you never got to see them play. Isn't any that inevitably kind of happen every year now with a new playoff? Does it usually end up with Alabama undefeated and LSU one loss somehow? Well, I think the teams that make it the most are Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. Right, you'd say probably over the course of it, that would be the teams that make it almost every time. Not not without fail, but certainly the vast majority of the time. Yeah, I mean, you can rotate the, the back two occasionally. Somebody gets in over uh, Ohio State or Notre Dame. Yeah. Because those are the teams that have rotated in. Yeah, so that's sort, certainly um, right. How, how it's operated. Oklahoma's gotten in, Oklahoma, you know, their yeah. bit. Georgia has, Texas A&M maybe here and there. Uh, but for the vast majority, those are the teams again, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the way it goes. I, I think college football will be a lot better served by a way more wide open thing. Yeah. Where teams are playing each other more frequently, but I guess we'll see. I mean, um, I think one of the interesting things will be to see if they do expand the playoff. The playoff is the current four teams is a plan in front of college football right now to expand to 12 teams it passed the first couple of hurdles yeah my feeling is it will be approved and we'll have 12 teams and maybe that kind of recalibrates things so we'll see that would be that would be fucking amazing i think that the only way that you can stop programs like alabama and clemson from being absolute top tier is to make other programs seem or give them the um Put them on the same uh, playing field. At, like, put other teams on the same playing field as Alabama and Clemson by saying, hey, you know, Alabama and Clemson are the top two, but these other six teams made the playoffs. You would split. You would splinter the recruiting class that way, and then not everybody would go to those two schools. And then you would start to see, gradually over time, kids decide to go to other programs. 
So, like, if a Coastal Carolina got in or if, you know, whoever, whomever got in in the, in the eight seed or whatever in the playoff, they would suddenly get recruits that they would never get before. So that's the only way to sort of uh, make the competitive balance fair. Yeah, and I mean, look, there may be no way to drag Alabama back to, you no, know what I mean? Maybe there, may, not. there may not be a way to drag them back, but we can certainly get a more fun. The more games you add, the harder it is for a team to win it all, right? Like, right. even if Alabama's by far the best team, if you if they have to play three games instead of two, they may not win them all. Right. right? I mean, simple and easy right. as that, right? Adding an extra game. Any given Saturday. Exactly. That makes things harder. Like, if you end up having to play instead of just, you know, Ohio State and Clemson, if you have to play t- somebody, you know, Georgia, Ohio State, and Clemson, maybe you do slip up. Maybe you don't, or whatever, however yeah. that works out. Um, but I am excited for this year. I mean, I think there's really good games right off the bat. Like, yeah. this is obviously week zero, essentially. You know, the games that will happen the 28th. But week one, you've already got Alabama versus Miami, Clemson versus Georgia, uh, LSU against Texas. Like, those are three... I mean, you, you can't ask for a whole lot better games than that, can you? No, I, I mean... conference games. It's just those, those are three the really... The Miami game, that's, that's the game I said that, that I'm really seeking out. See, I just don't buy it from Miami, and I haven't, though I am. Uh, They've been Dariq, horrible. Dariq King is the new quarterback, um, who... Uh, where was he before? Uh, the University of Houston, and he was really good, and he didn't play last season, so he, he's an older... Um, you know, he's an older guy, but he... Sorry, he did play a little bit last year for Miami. He was pretty good, but he, I think he got banged up last year after nine games. He he he's a good player. Like he could be really good for Miami. I think their team, the ranked 14th, how often have they disappointed the last few years? Yeah. So this is kind of a big moment for them. I mean, if you look across the conferences in college football, you'd probably say the ACC is the most wide open. Clemson yeah. has been the powerhouse for a ton of years. Trevor mm-hmm. Lawrence is gone now. Um and the rest of the teams are very much kind of up for grabs, right? Like, Miami is ranked high. They could be good, but we're not really sure. Um, Florida State's been down for a number of years in a row. UNC is supposed to be pretty good this year because Sam Howell's all the quarterback. The Florida, all the Florida teams have been kind of struggling for the past 10 or so years. They have. It's certainly not been the best stretch for them. I mean, there's only three ranked teams in uh, the ACC this year. It's Clemson, North Carolina, and Miami. Which is like, so So if you look at it from that perspective, though, it's like, what does it matter what the upset is in the ACC if none of the teams are particularly supposed to be that great nationwide? Yeah. Well, it's interesting because... Who's going to represent uh, the ACC in the Cotton Bowl this year? You know? <laughs> but but I, think, I think the interesting thing is Clemson's three, North Carolina's 10, and Miami's 14. So it's not like the three teams that are ranked are, you know, holding on by a thread. They're all in the top 15. I think it'll be a good year. I'm, I'm excited about it as a BC fan because I do think it's a kind of year where um, BC could have a really good season because yeah. you don't exactly know what you're getting from Clemson. The quarterback is the really young guy. DJ Weon Galele is his name. Um, he started a game or two last season when Lawrence was hurt. Actually, the one of them he did against was against BC, but... Um, He's, shockingly, a guy who played, like, one game is second highest in the odds to win the Heisman. Wow. It's Spencer Rattler, and then it's it's DJ. Which well, is, how about my boy Sam Howell, quarterback from North Carolina? 
Yeah, I mean, Sam is really good. He was, uh, he's a preseason. What about him? He's a preseason. All I did, well, basically, when we, <laughs> when we were doing show prep for college football, the first thing I did was just check out the Heisman odds. Well, I, I checked out Heisman odds, but I also checked out NFL mock drafts. And they had 1-2 Sam Howell, uh, quarterback from North Carolina, traditional-style quarterback. Spencer, Spencer Rattler, I guess, also pocket passer as well, right? He can run a bit, but yeah. They had him, too. From He's the quarterback from Oklahoma. Yep. yep. And then... Uh, Rounding out the top ten, have you folks heard of Malik Willis? The guy from Liberty. Guy from Liberty. Mm-hmm. He's more the of the new traditional, can pass in, pass in, run. So those are three guys to keep an eye on this year, along with actually Bryce Young, quarterback from Bama, and my boy Jack Cohen, quarterback from Notre Dame. No, that's a lot of quarterbacks. Um, I don't know. I think. Who else are you supposed to look at, though? You know. I was going to say, right? Like, <laughs> oh, we're looking at the third, a good, the uh, pick, interior line. Right, exactly. The third, the third overall pick is supposed to be a DN from Oregon. It's like, okay, really? <laughs> if Mark, like, if, if Mark gets to run, like, who cares? If Mark had picked a DN from Oregon, yeah. I would have fucking shot him in the head. Well, exactly. I know. As I know, you would have like, John's not going to fucking hear me say, I can't even um, say this guy's fucking name. <laughs> Defensive guy from Oregon, please. <laughs> Um, one thing that I... I could have just said Dion Jordan, who was a defensive end from Oregon a couple of years ago. You wouldn't have batted an eye. I would have been like, whatever, man. Yeah, sure. sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm sure he's got the measure. I don't, I don't have the steady hands to Google that, like, live. Um, one of the things that I was reading about this season, which I find sort of interesting, is uh, from Michael Calabrese, who is a great writer for the Action Network, is sort of the... Um, potential for some of these top teams to slide down mm-hmm. and sort of it to be chaos for the first time in college football since 2007. So out of the out of the top 10 teams, Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia, A&M, Bama, Ohio State, Notre Dame, uh, in returning production, uh, these, like the measurements for everything from yards, tackles, offensive line starts, the average spot is now they're all 93rd in the country. So... Oklahoma is the best at 43, Clemson 65, Georgia 92, and so on and so forth. Hmm. So because they're, they, not, they're not returning a lot of okay, got good it. production. There are only two of those teams that are returning the same guy under center. And so it's sort of the first time in 14 years or whatever, or whatever since this has happened. So there's a, there's a big opportunity here for teams that you don't think are going to play particularly well to kind of upset the apple cart. So as long as some of these teams lose games that they're supposed to definitely win, you could see an interesting college football playoff emerge because I think maybe a couple of those back-end teams might not make it if they actually get dummied by bad teams. It is, I, think it's a, I think it is a pretty interesting year because if you do look at the top, besides Spencer Rattler, you're talking about a lot of pretty young quarterbacks. Yeah. Bryce Young for Alabama. Um DJ uh Lele that we just mentioned for um Jack Cohen for Clemson from Dame transfer from I'm not sure where I'm Yeah, sorry. but they're oh, unknown. Um I'm trying to think who the Georgia quarterback is, but we're we're talking about like a decent amount of And Georgia always uh disappoints like Yeah, they, they they certainly do. Um it could be JT Ben JT Daniels is gonna be the starter for um Georgia who just transferred in there recently. So it is an interesting top. I mean if you do look at the top, yeah, it looks very classic of Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, Texas A and M. Yeah. But it's not to me quite like you were saying, John, there isn't the same repeated um 
guys again. Again, it's not Trevor Lawrence back. It's not no. Tua Tagovailoa. It's not you know these guys you've seen again and again. It is some pretty new people uh, yeah. across that that top tier, and you know even Texas A and M. They're what six like Kellen Mond, who was kind of their guy, is long is gone now. He's, right. in, the, he's in the NFL. So who are these? quarterbacks that are going to be like really stand out that's why as a bc fan i mean people will get sick of hearing me talk about bc but <laughs> yeah, right. it's a legitimate chance for them to um if you're ever going to beat clemson now would be the time you know you have uh they're at such a they have so few guys that have been there for a long time that compete at a high level i mean we just want to talk travis etn's gone t higgins left the year before like so on and so forth there is a dearth of um like veteran presence at the top of some of these teams and totally. that 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 opens the door for some of the other teams because so, what you're looking for is like the returning the returning like uh like the offensive linemen even like none of those guys are returning for a lot of those teams the amount of people that are returning are very small yep um so you might have a you might have a topsy turvy year. Before we move on uh, for week zero, I'm gonna give uh, my my two picks for the weekend. Um, I have so Nebraska Illinois is on Saturday. I'm gonna take under 55 total points in that game, and then UCLA. I'm gonna lay them against Hawaii. Uh, I'm gonna take UCLA minus 18 against Hawaii at home. Those are my two picks for week zero. Love it. Nice. Um, Hey, let me just say one other thing about BC. This has nothing to do with actual football. One hundred percent vaccination against COVID for the entire program. They, one of the only one of two teams. One of two or? teams across. I, I forget. Maybe else. more now, but originally they were the first team, I believe. One hundred percent vaccination against COVID. Nobody allowed to be there that is not uh, vaccinated against it. So well, that's because they know they have well, to go no. get other jobs when they're done. <laughs> no, also, but no, that's awesome though. That's a, that's a, that's. That's and, a badass thing. And they, about, everybody should be trying to do that. And how about this? The day of my wedding will be, the three of us will be getting ready. BC will be playing Clemson that day. So we'll just pray the game is a 12 o'clock start Jeez. so we can watch it before the wedding. There's no way. Can I say one thing? If BC is any good, it'll be a late game, won't it? That's the fear, but maybe it could be the 12 o'clock, like, prime, I don't know, like, prime ABC game. I know. Oh, for God's sake. What do you have to say, Mike? So, the coastal Carolina Chanticleers, which, based off the area of the country they're in, are not 100% vaccinated or even close. But how does, so, the coastal Carolina, who had a great season last year, they're the 22nd team ranked right now. And I'm looking at their schedule. They literally don't play a team in the top 25. How is it fair to compare coastal Carolina to Michigan? Or any big college football team. Well, that's uh, well. Listen, before we, I don't want to get into that whole thing. What I will say is, like, if you were to expand it to an eight or twelve team playoff, and they didn't lose any games, that would be great for college football at large because you would just because you would level the playing. Field. Here's what I would say to Mark very quickly: um, there is no incentive for an Oklahoma or a. Alabama, or even like a Nebraska or a Boston yeah. College schedule Coastal Carolina. 100%. Because if you were to beat them... Who cares? You were supposed to Nobody cares. Them. They're it's a the small old, program. It's exactly. Yeah, exactly right. That's old Michigan-Appalachian State. Exactly. If you were to beat them, you get no gain from it. If you were to lose, it go it blows up on your face. So the, I would like to see them do a little more like stringent idea of like, hey, we need you to play certain teams. I don't know how you'd work that in college football, but I do think there's a way to say like, hey, somebody's got to play this team. 
Because, look, they got Kansas on the schedule, UMass, Buffalo, who's a good mid-major, but, like, you know, Appalachian State is another really good mid-major, but you're not going to get top-level teams to play you. You're going to get Kansas. Who right. is it, you know, I mean, they just won a game, and they're awful, too. Right. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a tough situation because you're right. If Coastal Carolina goes undefeated at the end of the year, you go, well, who'd they beat? But then they would ask the question, who's willing to play us? It was the Boise State issue for so, so many years. Right, until, exactly. You can only beat who you play. Exactly. Until Boise State was finally able to get people to play them by beating enough good teams and winning enough bowl games. Exactly. Last thing I want to ask you guys, real quick. Just off the top of your head, yeah, yeah. let's not make this quick. When you think of college football tradition, who, what number one team comes to your mind? Tradition? Like, you know, like having a great, you know, great stadium, great fans, great environment. It's like, oh man, I don't want to play there. Clemson, I guess. Well, just know in the history of college football. So I know what you're going for. I know what you're going for. Like, I, so I'll just give you my. Like, I think Notre Dame. Well, yeah, because you. Yeah, cause See, of Rudy, that wouldn't, I wouldn't jump off to me though. That's fine. So who who's yours? Like, who do you think of? I guess I think of like like a Florida or a Michigan. Where I think Michigan's a good call. Michigan has the big house where there's like 100,000 people can go in there and it's just so difficult to play like Michigan that. probably would be my number two choice. In Florida, it's just such a crazy environment. Um, I mean, Florida or Florida State? Florida. Yeah. Where, you know, the swamp where they're doing the right. alligator chomp at you the whole time. Yeah. They do seem to really go bananas for that team. So I think those would be two that sort of sound to me. Miami would be another one, obviously. Yeah, I was thinking Miami too. Yeah, those are good. SC. Um, it's it's hard not to say a, a team like Texas. Yeah. Or um, you know, so they, they, these are new. These are newer. These are newer additions. But like Boise State, the uh, like the Blue Field and like their whole thing of being like sort of counterculture, but like having a great team has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, mean, I guess I just mean thinking like growing up, like who we always thought of as like. The number one, like oh man, they have such a cool. Well, I, I was I, I knew you were gonna say Notre Dame because of Rudy and like the thing with BC and Notre Dame and stuff like right. that. Right. So no, I don't have anything like that besides like Army Navy. Yeah. I think of a game. I can think of games. I can think of rivalry games. Well, yeah, like, like Notre like Notre Dame USC is probably one of the coolest rivalries that's been going on for so long. Army Navy is a cool one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's a bunch. I feel like there's a bunch of good ones. I feel like you like USC and like they they also Rose Bowl at that stadium once a year, right? Mm-hmm. Pasadena, like that's a badass tradition, I guess. Um, we got to move on. Yeah, we already hung on this too long. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, Mark had a lot of. Well, I said just off the top of your head. Mark had a lot. Mark had a lot of real quick. At yeah, the but end. you did. But you didn't. Ha- you didn't like any of our uh, real <laughs> quick answers, so we kept going. Well, well, well I, I understand right, 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 like Clemson because that's more recent. We've I mean. done enough. Let's keep it moving. It's one of those things that you see on like the first forty-eight where the guy just like leads the guy, leads the suspect into saying whatever he wants by the end of it. Yeah. What, did, what, what would you I say if I, I were actually wearing a fucking leprechaun costume? I would say Notre Listen, Dame, I suppose. Well, that's appropriate because once we turn the AC off on here, I feel like I'm in an interrogation Yeah, you're, room. In the, you're in the heat box right now, pal. <laughs> um, we're, we're moving on to question two. Red Sox. Uh, Red Sox had a great win yesterday. Uh, possibly the <laughs> win of the year. Big Dog City is back, baby. Travis Holy shot. crap. Was that something? That, there were like that went 15,000 fans there to see it. That went from arguably the uh, signature loss this season to a, 
hey, we want to stick around and see how things go. Is that's how I, that's how I would classify it? Because um, I'm not going to say it's a signature win because I don't think that that's what that is. That was a desperation win. The Red Sox won on a walk-off grand slam at extra innings yesterday against the Rangers, who they should soundly beat. I, I, I'm just it's just fortunate that they're playing the Rangers, are probably the worst team in baseball. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, like they're they're scrappy, man. But like, that's not the problem. It doesn't matter. Like, they need to win two out of three of those pretty easily. They got shelled the night before with Erod on the mound. It's like that's the real fucking problem. Erod blows. Yeah. Yeah, he does. He sucks, and the bullpen sucks. They have all kinds of problems. But we're in an interesting part of the season here because it's like all these games from now on are incredible, like massively meaningful. So like every day you got to be looking at the box score to see what happens to us, the Yankees, and the uh, Athletics. The Ra- you don't look at the Rays anymore. Not at the time. I no, mean, no. I, I mean, right. they're they five games ahead. I will repeat, we are not catching the Rays. We did catch the fucking Rays. We're not catching them. We did though. We're not catching them. We're not passing them. We will stay behind the Rays. I agree with you. We need it. Is- it does seem like the the or the excuse me the. Athletics are going the opposite direction, even though we are not going anywhere either. Sox, I think, are slightly ahead of the Athletics. It's a game now. Yeah. So we're in the, the season ended today. We're in the We'd playoffs. be in the second wild card spot right now. We're a game See, ahead. We uh, are a game or a half. We're a game and a half ahead. We're seventy-one and fifty-five. They're seventy and fifty-seven. So Yikes. we are we are a game and a half ahead right now of the Oakland Athletics. I mean, it's going to come right down to the wire for the Sox. They desperately need somebody from the bullpen to step up because Matt Bonds has fallen apart. Whitlock was amazing yesterday after Barnes blew the game. But the, the Sox have some deficiencies. We haven't even talked. Look, we've covered the Red Sox ad nauseum. <laughs> we, we don't need to belabor this yeah, too sure, long. Yeah. We can keep it short and sweet. One thing we haven't talked about is their abysmal defense. Their defense yeah. is so fucking bad. It's worse than... We've been on some bad defensive softball teams. It mirrors them. It mirrors our old pal Gotham City running around in the outfield in his bathing suit, dropping the ball in right field. This is... The, 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 pitch, the pitch from Xander to um, Arroyo yesterday that should have easily been an out at second base. Yeah. That could have cost him the game. Travis Shaw dropped the ball behind first base, too. There's a bunch of stuff like that. In the 9-zip game where they got posterized, a bunch of defensive mistakes. Is Frankie Cordero still on the Major League roster? He's not no. right now. No. Because he's a god-awful first baseman defensively. Yeah, he's, he's terrible. It, it, you know what? It, it's so fucking embarrassing, and I, I hate to have this conversation over and over again. It's like, well, they can just put so-and-so at first base. You fucking can't. You clearly cannot. Because nobody on the roster can do it. Kyle Schwarber apparently needs to learn how to do it. He's never been able to do it in his major league career. I don't know why everybody thinks he can. The guy went from catcher to outfield for a fucking reason. He is afraid of the position or he thinks it's too lame or something. I don't know. But they need a first baseman and they don't have one. I say they keep... Is that what Jamie? Travis Shaw's for? for? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think so. Well, he's better than Bobby fucking D. Even though I like Bobby D. I hate that guy. Well, Bobby I, if D's I never out, saw him again, it would be too fine. soon. Fine. I say you go... I think you go... Travis Shaw at first base, maybe do a platoon with he and I guess Bobby Dalback. Him and someone who can't play the position. And you put I don't know, and you put JD Martinez, stick him, keep him in the outfield, and you put Schwarber. Um, at the I mean pitch. that doesn't work at all. So that's well, well here's here's the problem. Somebody strategy. somebody made this point the other day. I forget who it was. It was some ex Sox player uh, made this point on Twitter. It's like unless Schwarber can learn how to play first base, 
forever with their best offensive lineup, they're going to be out of position. They're going to be defensively negative at a bunch of positions. And I'm not going to go through it, but, like, it's true. Like, if if he plays first, it puts everybody – unless he plays first, it puts everyone else out of position. Because either he's DHing and JD is out there. He has to the field over JD, doesn't he? But, like, that's it, right? So, like, so you got one of them in the outfield, which is bad. Puke. You have – Puke, puke, puke. I mean, Kike uh, Hernandez is – He's fine, I guess. He makes, a, he makes flashy plays, and he yep. makes really bad plays, too. Kike's our leadoff hitter, whether you like it or not. Well, I don't think it honestly matters that much about that as much as it just does. There is so many holes as you try to piecemeal this lineup together if Schwarber can't play for space. Yeah. We, at one point, in a very big game against the Yankees, had Kevin Pawlucki, as we've talked about, DHing. What does that tell you? We had to, we, you know, we got to pinch hit Travis Shaw, who was batting 188 and was cut this year. Yeah. Pinch hitting, Travis Sean, clutch moments. Now, I know he had a grand slam to win that game against the uh, um, Rangers. Don't confuse yourself, ladies and gentlemen. That is That's what something we're going to get. Yeah. First off, there was zero outs and the bases were loaded. If the ball had hit him in the forehead, it would have been the same result. We would have won the game. There was three. It was 3-1 count. We would have won the game, and I would have covered my end Exactly. Back. So it did not. It, it, the, the home run was nice to see, but essentially the, the pitcher just threw a fastball hoping to get it by him for a strikeout, and that was that because it didn't matter what happened from there. Um, maybe Shaw will get better. Unlikely. There's just a lot of holes in this team. If Barnes can't be a great reliever, like if he is the guy he's been lately, and now Garrett Whitlock has to be the closer, we've got some big, big problems because who fills his spot in the bullpen now? Yeah. John, you'd rather have had Travis Shaw absolutely wear one than hit the home run, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Just to save your bet. No, I mean, I like listen. Like if he had, if he had hit one of the outfield, stroked one of the outfield, that would have been fine too. But like, I don't think it does anything for the team for him to hit the grand slam. I was gonna ask you guys that. Like, they blew that game, right? Yeah. And then they had a miraculous comeback where the game should have been over. Devers gets the the double to tie it up. Yeah. They go another extra inning. Then they win the grand slam. Is there any chance that sort of the turnaround of like, hey, we didn't quit. I could have rolled over and died here, and we didn't. It could be, but like, I mean, I but like, do you think it's, is the grand slam the difference? Is that what you're saying, or is was, the win th- the difference? I was thinking a little bit of both. Of like, obviously, the win yeah. plays the biggest part, but just the way it ends, where like he gets a fastball and just hammers it to the sure. outfield, and everybody's so jubilant because like, if he just whips it over his head and it's a walk, no, that doesn't. Well, that's, have the that's same, not the same. You know, or he gets he, he puts one right in his thigh. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Yeah, but like right? if he would have fucking put one in the gap, it yeah, it's, been same, the same it's probably thing. the same thing. True. And like flip the bat or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the, the grand slam is definitely it, it's an. It, it could be a one of those things, a snapshot moment of the season where it's like, hey, they really turned it back on after this. Yeah, backs against the wall and Travis Shaw smashed the home. I'm line. surprised they didn't, the Red Sox didn't do 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 ugh, didn't do an obligatory Twitter. He's back. <laughs> I'm sure they did something. He's back. Yeah, I'm sure they did something. They got the worst Twitter in the world. Folks, a couple of years ago, the Red Sox... So, at the time, the Yankees, a bunch of rival teams were signing big free agents. The Red Sox did nothing. They finally signed, re-signed Mitch Moreland, and they posted on Twitter saying... He's back, as in like lookout world. Right, as like, 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 like the, the, the Yankees had like uh, just got uh, Garrett Cole or something like that. And, it like, was the next uh, John Carlos. John Carlos. John Carlos. Yes, yeah. The biggest like, power in the National League. We brought back Mitch. This lane is your lane. This lane is more. Honestly, like, he's sort of a push. Runs. I mean, that guy. 
Uh, okay, so so what? what so before, we're gonna move on in a second. But what is your feeling on the Red Sox after a big a big win against a bad team, but sort of a morale boosting win? And they are currently one one right now against the Twins. As we it's actually this. one three. Twins are up. Oh, yeah, we're right. down. We're down three one. I didn't want to miss the vibe. All right. I've already slammed the panic button, as you know, so I'm sticking with it. I but think do you that, think we're going to miss the playoffs, or do you think we're going to... I think we're going to get the second wild card, but I am concerned about it. I'd say there's zero chance we get higher than that, but I do think there's a chance we get the second wild card. I, I, I see us doing very poorly versus our AL East opponents the rest of the season, so I don't know how, I don't know how many more games we, we have. We have the easiest schedule of the like remaining wild card Okay. Teams. So we don't play the Yankees and the Rays a bunch? I mean, we. I, I think we have a couple... You could have looked this up yourself, but... I know. Yeah. Okay, I'm being fucking lazy. <laughs> I think it... Yeah, yeah we talked about a couple weeks John, ago. I do, remember I, you, I do remember you mentioning episode 28 last week. <laughs> it might have been episode 27. Whatever. Uh, saying that the Red Sox have a pretty favorable schedule the yeah. rest of the way. But this, talk- would, this would be it, though. So, so to your point, Mark, it was, it was under the uh, idea that we were going to beat the hell out of the, tw- the Twins, the Rangers... <laughs> And if we're not going to do that, then we're, we're still we are we're still beating those teams. We're going to win. We won the series against the Rangers. We won the series against the Twins. Correct? Yeah. Or, well, well, we, well we won the t- series against the tech, uh, the Rangers. Yeah. Right. So I mean, I think we've seen the Red Sox can beat bad teams. They just can't necessarily beat a lot of good teams. So yeah, I think they I think they somehow weasel that second uh, wild card spot. Give me give me a Garrett Cole, Chris Sale, one and done, playing wild card game. Yeah. Feel life. Puke. You guys don't I mean, want any part of that? I do because I think it'll be the most anticipated Red Sox game in over two and a half fucking years. I was gonna say we've literally had nothing to root for. I, last year was a complete wash, and then we've had two years of this, of two years of nothing. Just yeah, actually, I didn't even mention 2019. I don't even remember 2019, the last year before. And before COVID. we go into that, into into histrionics, I'm gonna I'm gonna switch uh, gears into the third question here, which is the Patriots. We're gonna keep this podcast moving forward. Uh. Pat's had another preseason game. QB competition is tight, and Cam is out this week. Where do you think uh, things stand with Cam versus Mac? Starting situation week one. I think we said on this podcast they need something to happen in order for Mac Jones to become the week one starter. Yeah. Based off what I've heard, I don't want to get into this too much, but... It seems as though Cam, I guess, violated the the COVID protocol, but didn't seem too super egregious. It seemed more of like a misunderstanding. Although I guess, from multiple sources, I know you guys have seen these too. These aren't just my make believe Instagram sources. I haven't I haven't double checked these, Pat. Well, there you haven't heard there's been some murmurs that the pages weren't thrilled with what's going on with Cam and whole COVID protocol. Mm, I did, no, I saw that. And basically, Bill has insinuated or has just outright said this is a very important time for Cam or for Mac Jones. And there's maybe a huge opportunity for him to maybe establish himself as the number one. He's been in practice running situational plays with the number ones. Yep. Today I saw some highlights of him throwing in Nelson Aguilar and a few other starting wideouts. So who knows? If if Mac Jones shows that he's improved and is doing what the coaches ask, you know, maybe he maybe he gets the week ones gets the week one nod. I don't know. A lot has to happen. Yeah. I don't know how they feel about uh, Cam Cam Newton right now. He did. He just did a good preseason game, but now he's on the COVID protocol until end of the week, I think. Yeah. 
So, uh, so how much of that can you, you know, tolerate? I guess is the point. So, like, what would have to happen? We've said this before on the pod, and we don't have to belabor it. But like, what would have to happen for Cam to not have the starting job week one? And Pat, I put this to you because you've been the guy who says nothing could happen to stop Cam from having the uh, outside injury. And I think this falls into the injury category because I think uh, so. So Bill has always said uh, the. Not this these exact words, but essentially the best ability is availability, right? And I think Cam missing these these practices matters a lot. And I don't think it matters in terms of how Mac Jones will play. Because I think he'll probably play at a steady level. I think he was bad the first day from what I saw, and he was perfectly fine today. Um, but what I do think it does is you take a hard look as a team and say, geesh... This guy's not vaccinated for COVID. If this happens, if he's the starting quarterback during the regular season, the same thing happens. He could miss a lot of time, too. And we could be really behind the eight ball where then we have to start a backup quarterback who has not been taking reps out of nowhere like that. And we saw what happened when that had... Look, look, Mac Jones is obviously better than the backup quarterbacks the Patriots had last season. But having to go from like a guy who's not taking all the reps to all of a sudden being forced in there... In the Chiefs game, that was a disaster for the Patriots. They could have won that game probably if they had their regular starting quarterback last year. And do you really want to be in the position where if Cam were to have a close contact or test positive, he can miss a bunch of games? I think you're going to have some second thoughts about starting him based also, just upon that. Not to pick on Cam because I'm a, we're, both, we're all three of us are Cam fans. But if Cam Newton caused the Patriots outbreak of COVID, they had to forfeit their game for that given week. Yeah, if he, I mean, if there were to, that, that I'm not as concerned about because I think the Patriots have reached that COVID threshold and stuff like that, like the um, the vaccination rate and whatnot. But I, but I mean, certainly that obviously would be another concern. And I do think um, there's just some issues about whether you can really be super confident in a guy who, if the situation was flipped, if Mac had traveled to a doctor's appointment and he wouldn't have had to be tested. Right. He didn't have to be tested. He could have done whatever. There's no testing. He would have been able to come back and right. just do whatever. There was He would never have missed any practices. So right. if, the, if the bye week happens and Cam's coming back and screws something up accidentally, or this seems like maybe the organization screwed it up, but if that happens, if you're vaccinated, there's no fear. Right. So I don't know. I'm worried about it from that end because I, I personally do think Cam is the best option to start. For a team that's really trying to win games like the Patriots, I think starting a rookie quarterback can be tough at the beginning of the year. Um, from what we've seen from both of them in the preseason games, it's, you know they both played perfectly fine. Yeah, I wouldn't say anybody's like gone absolutely bananas and lit you on fire, um, but I do think there's more of a learning curve for rookie quarterbacks, and then Cam's running element brings something to the game for the Patriots. Um, I think if you had all your druthers, I'd start Cam. But considering the circumstance, it definitely makes me think twice about it. I mean, no question. Right. So I don't know. I mean, it, it's a really tough situation. I, I, if I, I mean, all things being equal, I'd like to see Bill go to him and be like, we really need you to get vaccinated. We'll set you up with some, you know, we'll talk. We'll let you talk to the best doctors you can. We live in an area where we have the best hospitals in the world, like the smartest people. Like, can we get you in touch with them to talk about why this would be good for you? Well, I mean, I mean, there, there's no way that like so. The idea that no one is talking to him about it is. I'm sh- I'm sure they are, but I, my hope is that maybe this would be a another know, teaching moment. Yeah, I mean, like it, it's already happened. Like a wake up call in some ways. I don't know. I and I, know, I don't disagree with you. You're probably right that 
you know, if, you, if he hasn't done it yet, he probably won't. But um, a man can hope, you know, like maybe yeah. that there is some learning moment where you take a look at it and you're like, geez, I should do this now, you know? So so just around the room, and it's obviously, it doesn't matter at all. But like, we'll start with you, Mark. Like, what do you think is... Like, what's the best case scenario for Pat's week one? Do you want to see Mac Jones? Or do you want to see Cam Newton? Both guys, healthy as horses. Week one... Fuck. Week one... I I guess week one would be Mac Jones because that would mean that he has shown Bill enough where he has impressed him enough to start in week one. Whereas I think... Cam could start week one just by default, where it's like both guys haven't shown us a ton. Let's go with the veteran. What's your answer, Pat? Ideal situation, Cam starts week one because I think if he doesn't, it means that they lost hope in him, not that they all of a sudden thought Mac was better than him. Right, we'll say. So that's my fear, that if they start Mac, it won't be because he necessarily won the job. It'll be more because Cam lost the job. Well, then if that's mm-hmm. the case, then then yes, that's... But, that's, I mean, you're looking at a different scenario. So I guess it's the glass half, right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're looking at it in different ways. And that's totally fine. I think there's very divergent viewpoints you but can I have do, But I will stick with my first point that I said from the get-go, and I agree with you, Pat. So I guess I'm kind of contradicting myself. I do think... <laughs> I will, yeah, as I often do on the show, Cam Newton does present our... Presents with the best chance to win right now, in my opinion. Let's see. Maybe after week one, maybe we won't be saying the same thing. But I think from where we're standing right now, I think Cam does stand to be give us at least week one victory over. Um, I I I I think that the best case scenario is uh, Mac Jones starts week one right now, and we we're just done with this whole saga because it's been too much. That like there's there's always been a thing there's always been a caveat in every one of Cam's performances, and if this is the last one that puts the last nail in his coffin, I think he's an awesome guy. But I don't know that he gives us the best uh, chance to win moving forward. So would you be are you implying you would cut Cam, and you'd have Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer as your quarterbacks and Jack Delega or whoever it is Jacob Delega, um, Brian Stidham, whatever his name. Is. Yeah, what what I'm saying is I think that. I think that everybody with a pulse wants to see Mac Jones in a regular season game anyways. So if Cam is going to give everybody an out like this, and everybody who was a Cam fan last year has a million excuses, enough is enough. Let's just see it. Yeah. And if we're wrong, we're wrong, and that's fine. So I guess that's that's where I land on it. Um, so that's know. it for... Uh, Three big questions. We'll be right back after this break with uh, this week's uh, very interesting toss-up. You're listening to Save It For The Podcast. If you have any burning questions you'd like to hear discussed next week on the show, shoot us an email at saveitforthepodcast365 at gmail.com. Now, back to the show and our weekly toss-up segment. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for this week's toss-up. Last week, I thought we had a great toss-up. We took a look at how the three of us would do if we were sent back to either elementary school or grade school or high school and how far we could make it if we got straight A's. Got a lot of people that did not have a lot of faith in us. That's true. A lot of people very skeptical of our academic abilities, um, which is fine. Maybe we have not proven ourselves in this podcast to be... 
uh, Mensa <laughs> scholars or geniuses in any way. I stand by my uh, prediction for myself, but maybe we are a little over optimistic. You may have been under opti- uh, You may have undershot yourself. I don't think so. Sixth grade sounds about right to me. Thoughts on your in a retrospect? I stand, I stand by my freshman year. There are so many people that reached out to me and were like, "You can, you. There's no way you, you anybody that you know could get through a high school year." Not just you, Mark. I'm saying Mark, Pat. It's really hard to get through a high school year without, you know, having to, like, live through it and, like, study it. But we we do have to do that. That's the point. We had to go through the thing. I think most of the people that said that were dumbasses. So, uh, sorry to them. They Sorry that they weren't smart enough to do it and they never would have been. So, egg on their face, not on mocking eyes. Right? Really? Agreed. Yep. Wow. Yeah, you guys are so fucking smart, let me tell you. So, I I feel... I mean, at 32 years old, I, I would have a little more of a business approach than I You would have been worse at it. I mean, it was hot no, of you no, then. No, we'd be it would better have been you no. now. No way I could be worse at no it. No way. We'd be way sense. better at it. We'd be way better at it now. We'd be way better at I mean, it. Yeah, yeah, learning stuff that doesn't matter to you at all. You already have a regular but, job. You know what you want to do. But we're not doing the jobs. We're just going to school. Yeah, but you already know exactly how fucking inconsequential everything is. True. Do you have any idea how hard it would be to try to dedicate yourself to learning something that didn't matter at all when you figured that out? Yeah, but I also, like, it's a lot harder when you're just trying to fit in to make friends and, like, you want to oh, go out kids. and hang out and, like, sit and be like a drone's car. You're out of your fucking mind. I smoke a little of the reefer, you know? <laughs> it's, like, it's a little bit different than... Um, I'll still be doing some of those things. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Well, then you'll be arrested, so you definitely won't uh, get your straight A's. This week, we're doing something totally different. It is not a real toss-up. As we've announced a bunch of times uh, over the past couple weeks, we are announced, We are launching the first official Save It For The Podcast Fantasy Football League. Uh, we're taking this toss-up to announce the people that have made the cut. And we're going to take a look at who we think might actually win the league. So let me just first off say thank you to everybody who sent in submissions. We got a ton, way more than we expected. Originally, we were thinking we'd cut it down to 10, then 12, and we wound up with a 14-person league because we just got so many good ones. Um, so thank you to everybody. If you didn't make the cut, that is not a... Doesn't mean we don't like you or that you that what you sent in wasn't good. We just got a ton of good stuff, and there was really no way to do more than a fourteen person league. Like we just thought yeah. anything more than that was totally unwieldy. You know, they're trying to do 16, 18 people. There's just, there's just no way. I mean, 14, by the end of, by the end of the draft, who are you drafting? Yeah, fourteen is even top. LeBron I mean, McLean. <laughs> this is fourteen person league is going to be one of the toughest leagues we've ever done. Um, we got so many good submissions. We were going to read just a couple of. Brief snippets from stuff. Um, I don't even know where to start. We got a great submission from our buddy Tim Corbett, who uh, is in the league. He sent in, he said he'd like to formally submit his application to the illustrious Save for the Podcast Fantasy Football League. He knew Mark's fantasy involves 13 other guys, but this is about to turn into a nightmare when he comes in dead last. Uh, he had a couple of great lines here about how Mark's impeccable memory for players' numbers won't save him from drafting Matt Forte in the third round again, which Mark has certainly done things like that before. Um, we got another great application from, our, zinger, bu- Tim. from our buddy Greg Palermo, 
who is committed to joining the league essentially just to draft Chug, Greg Chugs for Bones Palermo, who is just going to draft Tom Brady to keep him away from Mark Cacuzzo, who has first ruined a golf outing with Tom and then dragged him to space and with the worst crew of all time. Yeah. Um, we also got what is probably our most creative submission. Would you agree with this from our buddy Zach Dimack? Um, <laughs> a incredible cartoon of Mark, John, and I in Simpsons format outside Most Tavern from a photo we took together originally at uh, Winter Hill Brewing Company. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Uh, Saying that we, he wasn't allowed. <laughs> yeah, he said if we, if Zach said that if we allowed him to join the league, he would transfer ownership of this copyrighted intellectual property to us for all uh, media use, which we are accepting. He is now in the <laughs> league. We will be taking that cartoon, which is now ours, and we will be using it to uh, make a t-shirt. So yeah, thank sure. you for that, Dimec. We will turn that into a lovely t-shirt. We got one from our buddy, uh, actually Dimex lawyer, Zachary Restuccia, who said he was humbly requesting entry into the Save for the Podcast League, and he recounted, recounted a great story of when he saved Doyle's life in the Mediterranean Sea. Yep. Uh, John once jumped off a boat and injured his shoulder, and there was nobody else to save him. Mark and I were a little too far away, and... <laughs> The Stooch swam over and dragged Doyle to safety. So, for that, I feel like he does deserve inclusion. Well, there's obviously a ton of edits to be made to that. I mean, he and he knows that, right? I mean, so so obviously the story there is that I dive off after everybody else does. I dislocate my shoulder. You, Patrick. You, Mark. I, I remember the first thing that I remember seeing when I bobbed up for air. Was you two holding each other laughing? It was Not really happening. funny. It was pretty. Well, damn we funny. were one of the most gorgeous bodies of water in the world. John. <laughs> but you couldn't help yourself, could you? He he, he got he got baited into be jumping off this boat. Immediately got hurt, which was almost a guarantee from the second he jumped to the minute water. The reason Mark and I didn't rush over to save John is we didn't want to embarrass him in front of the captain. Not for nothing, but. Well, if if Zach Restucci, if the Zachs, if Zach Restucci and Zach Demick, who were both allowed in this uh, fantasy league, um, no coincidence by the way, hadn't come over and helped me, you guys wouldn't have. You would have been fine. I would have been okay, I think. You were but, fine. But it was still quite a, it was quite an experience to see uh, two of my oldest friends do nothing as I struggled to put my shoulder back in and gasp for air in the Mediterranean. Well, we didn't want to humiliate you. We thought, you know... You thought what? We thought best to let you get it together yourself. Zachary Stucci is a hell of a swimmer. He was, he was swimming well. He was, he was swimming well that day. He, he was moving. Yeah, he was. Uh, let me just announce everybody that's in the league. So it's myself, Mark, and John. Then we got our buddy Brian Rafferty. Yeah. Uh, who essentially begged for inclusion due to nepotism. You have been accepted. We got Dano, my brother-in-law, who is invited in due to... He just, he just had a son and didn't have time to give us the best submission. We got our buddy Zach, the coach, Friedman, uh, a seasoned fantasy football player who we have gone through many leagues with. We got Tim Corbett, a.k.a. Roger Klotz, a.k.a. Tim, Tom Cribbett, uh, another guy we played a lot with. 
We got our buddy Eric Puglisi from Winter Hill. Runs a tight ship up there. Let's see what kind of fantasy football team he runs. We got Greg Chugs for Bones Palermo. We got Pistol Pete McCubrey, who sent in a very funny submission via Twitter. Uh, a friend of mine, but unknown to you both. An Endicott man, a gull through and through. Yeah. Uh, what was his submission again? He said every year he drafts. Oh, yeah. Let me uh, let me rip it up real quick. Um, I can probably get to it. It was yeah. about uh, Matthew Slater, I think. Yeah, and so I'll just go through the rest and you can pull beats up. We got Brian Hodge and we read... Uh, I'll read some of his. He... Made a good argument that he deserved inclusion in. Uh, we played a lot of games with him. He is one of my groomsmen. He is one of our weekly listeners. He was the first person to ever be invited on this podcast back in 2013. And a very drunken and enraged email from Mr. Mark Cacuzzo, which he did include an audio file of. This was back when we used to do original pod. This is when we first started recording the podcast on Sheesh. a crappy recorder. Mark was drunk and not happy. I don't know why. Um... <laughs> He tied Mark and Dole for the most efficiency reports in Arlington Catholic history. Pretty that's, good. That's saying something. Yeah, Mark was once banned from playing football due to deficiency reports, so that's a lot. Well, yeah, freshman year, my gym teacher had a real stick up her butt. <laughs> yeah, she was tough. Uh, other than that, we got Mr. Patrick Leahy, I believe a pal of yours, Mark. Project Pat, client of mine, friend of mine, friend of the cast. And then, as mentioned, we have Mr. Zacharies Restuccia and Dimac, so... That rounds out our group. That's 14 total people. What I'm going to do actually right now, I've got them all punched in to a random generator. I'm going to punch this in, give us what the draft order is. We'll read that off and uh, wrap this toss up pretty quick once we give some of our thoughts on. Take a screenshot of it as you do it. All right, so you guys can see it, Joel. Look at it with me. we got me, Raph, Mark. Yeah, take a screenshot before we uh, slam it. I feel like we should film this. Yeah, you can record it. So we're gonna, I'm gonna put this on. One second. I'm recording it just for posterity's sake. Perfect. Folks, um, this is making for great podcast. I am filming this. Oh, for God's sake. That, that, that doesn't help at all. <laughs> all right, here we go. Generating the draft order. Let's see. Drum roll. All right. Wow. All right, here we go. In oh, did you get that? Ah, uh, we down? need to we need to scroll down. There we go. All right, let me read them off. Picking first, Pistol Pete McCubrey, number two, our buddy Eric from Winter Hill. Third is Rafferty. Fourth is Dano, new father. Fifth is yours truly. Sixth is Greg Chunks for Bones Palermo. Seventh is Tom Cribbit. Eighth is, uh, what's his name, Leahy? Patrick. Yep. Patrick Leahy. Project Pat. Ninth, Mark, that's you. Sheesh. Tenth is noise. Zachary Dimack. Eleventh is Hodge. Twelfth is Doyle. Yep. Thirteenth is Friedman. And coming in absolutely dead fucking last, where he will most likely finish the league, would be Zachary Restuccia Esquire. How does everybody feel? Who is the favorite to win the league right now? Wow. That's, that's, I've, I, well, I've never played in a 14-man league, so if you think I stick with a 10-man league, can't wait to see what I produce in a 14-man league. I can imagine it's very similar. <laughs> I mean, you generally you, you finish last, so if, you can't go worse. If you finish last in a 10-man league, you're definitely going to finish last in a 14-man league. Yep. Wow. Can I take one peek at that, Patty? Please. I already forgot who number one was. 
uh, Pistol Pete McCoopy from Twitter. Oh, well done, Pistol Pete. Wow. Son of a gun. Eric with the second pick. Everybody, Raf coming in third. Dan, four. I got fifth. I'm actually okay with that. I don't mind fifth. All right. If I had to pick somebody to uh, shock the world and win the league, I guess I would pick uh, Zach Dimmick. Horrible pick. Uh, if I had to pick somebody to win it besides myself, I'd say Eric. Eric is a pretty good fantasy guy. He's played a lot of leagues. at second pick, which is a good pick. Mark, what do you like? I like myself. You have no chance besides, besides yourself. I'm kidding. I actually would go with... I'm going with Pro, uh, Pistol Pete, not Project Pat. Project Pat, as far as I know... You're going with the guy with the number one overall pick? I'm going with Pistol Pete. <laughs> okay. I don't mind that, actually. I think that's a good pick. I, yeah. I, I, went, with, I went with Dimmick only because I thought you were going to go with Hodge. Pat. Well, I think Hodge is a good chance. Hodge is a very good fantasy player. Uh, but I think Eric is, too, and I think second pick in a 14-man league goes a long way. All right. You know, I think that the, those of us that not at the I'll stick with Dimick because he's um he's really he's all or nothing. He either comes in dead last or he wins the the whole thing. Before we wrap up toss up, who's besides Mock, who's the prediction to finish dead last? Uh oh my god. There's a couple of people here. <laughs> I mean Stooch. <laughs> it's so it's Stooch. It's Stooch. It's Stooch, it's Stooch and Aces. Have we discussed how we're gonna do the draft yet? We're going to do an online draft. We're going to uh, send out a couple of times to people where we can do it. Uh, if we can. Because if Velgol is involved, then my if, vote if, is definitely on Stooge coming in. So, so it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be an yeah, online draft. Yeah, we're not going to get all these people together. Yeah, right? we're not going to be able to get everyone together. I, I am going to say, though, if people do want to meet up to do the online portion of it, uh, I'll do my best to coordinate with that with anybody who's available. So we'll, it'll probably be a weekday, um, but we're going to see what we can swing in. Anybody who wants to either come over here or we can go to a bar that has Wi-Fi, we'll, uh, we'll get as many people together as we can, but it'll be online. So it'll be nice and easy, 14-person league. Um, thank you to everybody again who submitted. This is going to be really funny. Yeah, we'll the be, best. Seriously. We'll be talking about this during throughout the year, uh, which will probably bore some listeners, but we promise not to drone on and on about it. But I think it's going to be really fun. As we mentioned before, the winner is going to get some Save It For The Podcast merchandise. We'll give that also to the runner-up. Um, We'll make it work for, you know, the uh, first place regular season winner. But the winner of the championship, the actual playoff winner, will be invited on the podcast for a guest spot. Uh, we'll get a nice Well, they do the guest spot appearance before or after Doyle takes a body shot off them. Um, they will take the the, 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 <laughs> the person who wins the league will take Mark's sh- position on the podcast for good. <laughs> no, no, they won't. No but what they will that. also do, they will also, and sorry, you didn't know this ahead of time before you signed up, but there's no takes backs now. You will also <laughs> be taking a body shot off Mark alongside Doyle. So alongside <laughs> alongside the guest spot on the podcast will be some nice merchandise and you'll get a body shot off of Mark. So congratulations like, to oh, everybody. Actively not going to want to win this league now. Oh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> congratulations to them. And uh, we'll talk about this a bit more in the coming weeks. So thanks again, everybody, for Wait, so Pat, If you win, you have to take a body shot off of Doyle and off of No, Dave. off of you, not off of Doyle. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I would have to do them off both. I didn't lose anything to Joel. I guess it's true. Why am I the monster? I guess it's true. I haven't really thought about that. I'm not dying to do the body shot. Maybe we'll do a take back if I'm in first place or something like that. Oh, no. Um, all right. All I wanted was my Sacramento Kings crew neck sweatshirt. I, I would have given it to you. Instead, instead Joel's looking at my, look at my navel. <laughs> well, he hasn't done it yet. He's really holding out. Um, Maybe. Right. That's not a me thing. Well, you got to do it. 
Above, yeah, I'm fine. I'm doing. I, I will do it. Need some tequila or something. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't think it matters what alcohol it is. You drink it out of my belly button. It's gonna be hard. <laughs> yeah, it could be shoe shine. It's like you're drinking out of the guy's belly button. I don't think the. Well, no, I don't want. No, the thing is, if John takes a tequila shot off me, he's gonna get all handsy on me afterwards. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, take a quick break before this gets any worse. Thank you for listening to Savior for the podcast. If you have any suggestions. For a toss-up or a loser of the week, feel free to reach us on Instagram or Twitter at SaveItForTheCast. Uh, again, save it, the number four, the cast. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for the last but certainly not the least segment of the night, Loser of the Week. Everybody knows each week we pick a massive loser, uh... We've had a ton of people to go through week after week after week. I'm sure this week is no different. Um, who's got a good one they want to start off? I actually don't have a great one. I'm not going to lie to you. I actually struggled in a short week to come up with um, with a great loser. I'd like to talk about a loser really quickly. Please, fire us off if you've got a good He's one. somebody that um, I think that we've probably mentioned before. Elon Musk, again, and Tesla... So they're always coming out with these like big, um, like almost like Steve Jobs, Apple, like, hey, like, let's see what we're going to like. We have like these big announcements to make and like this is what we're going to like debut. And they're all bullshit, right? So this week he warned of a uh, Terminator like AI apocalypse and then he wanted to unveil his solution to it. And he unveiled a thing that he called the Tesla robot. And it was a man in a robot suit doing the robot. <laughs> and there's no real better way to describe that to either of you guys, but it was really fucking embarrassing. Dude, it was so embarrassing. And like he the guy the thing comes out and like it has like a you know like his head's supposed to be invisible and like he's supposed to be like Doing the like, but the guy just essentially like did the robot out onto the stage until they revealed that it was a person in there, and then he started dancing like a person would dance, and they're like, "Yeah, like this will be the tech that we have in a couple years." They never ever have the tech. They never ever like do the things that they're saying that they're gonna do. Elon Musk just does this stuff for publicity. Imagine doing that. He must be joking, right? Like, what is he thinking? How can you keep joking like I don't this? Know, I agree. The last time I think I did this, it was like it was like, oh wow, it's like this. This car is impenetrable, and he like puts a sledgehammer to it, and he fucking smashed a window right out immediately. It's like the guy. The guy. That is, was really funny. Oh my god. This is even better. It's like, oh wow, like they like people in the crowd are like, is this a robot? And then it starts dancing regular, and the guy <laughs> takes his hat off or whatever, and it's like, oh no, it's a man. But can you imagine what it would be like if it was a robot? It's like, are there you be just men in those suits? <laughs> there better be men in those suits. It's like, are we like, are people investing money into this company for like ideas that are never gonna happen? Fucking probably. Oh, I mean, almost undoubtedly. Like, yeah, in like three years, we're gonna have. We're going to have bi- bipedal, like, robots that can do what our cars can do. 
and he puts this guy out there, and the guy is supposed to be walking, sort of like like he's unsure of like what's gonna happen. I saw the video; it was so it's bad. Terrible. So Elon Musk and that whole company, it's insane. I think one of the running threads across our losers of the week a lot has been these rich people that have no like sense of what is normal and what people actually like. Or like, or like even buy into it all. It's like, yeah. it's like, do you think, imagine that and then you're like, wow, imagine if you're watching that and you're like, wow, that's crazy. Is that, that's a fucking robot? And it's like, oh no, it's a guy doing the robot and he starts dancing and it's like, <sighs> so nothing has changed. Huh? This is just a, this is a nothing presentation. Horrible. What do you got, Mark? Anybody good? Almost, 15 years ago, defensive tackle of the Miami Hurricanes, star player Brian Pata, was tragically murdered. Mm-hmm. Almost 15 years later, the number one suspect, and I'm pretty sure this is who it is, Rashawn Jones, a defensive back, a teammate of Brian Pata, is being convicted of committing the murder. Rashawn Jones of Miami is my loser of the week. Not all, The most chilling thing is there's a photo the week after or a few weeks after Brian Patter was murdered. There's a photo of the Miami team circling around, a big photo of him on the field, a picture of Brian Patter. And front and center is Rashawn Jones, his teammates, who committed this murder, who murdered his teammate, Brian Patter. Hmm. Who's the real loser of the week? Maybe it's the Miami police. It took them long enough, didn't it? Almost 15 years? Oh, man. I mean, my God. They said nearly 15 years after the crime and nine months after an ESPN investigation pointed out some (laughs) missteps from a long-stalled police inquiry. I would say it's long-stalled, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd want justice, Mark, for sure. That's tough. That's a heavy one. Uh, (sighs) Tough one to follow. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, like, like, so who's the loser? The murderer? I guess Rashawn Jones. I mean, certainly that the murderer. Yeah, I would assume him. Um, That's definitely create some division in the clubhouse. I would say, uh, yeah, tough one, tough one to follow. Um, what do you have, Fatty? <laughs> certainly nothing so serious. My, have, my backups were probably a little uh, more appropriate. Yeah, yeah, that would have been nice. Maybe. Oh, man, those um, will bring up in the wait, audience. Well, you're, not, you're not doing any backups. It's just you're we're not, doing all. We always do honorable mentions. No, right? we're not doing any of those. You've done enough honorable mentions. We're doing one. You can save them for next week. The no, I no. did not just zip it, please. <laughs> Only cut the mic. <laughs> just go. Folks, it's high as hell. The loser of the week is a group for me. The loser of the week I have is everybody who is doing the milk crate challenge. Have you seen oh, this? Man. Oh yeah. I, you, I'm on social media ninety percent of the day. How could I not see this? What are people thinking trying to do I can't this? believe you haven't done it yet. I can't believe you haven't done it yet. Are you kidding me? These people get fucked up. They get killed. <laughs> the guy, they, if, making it to the third step, so I'll give a breakdown. The milk crate challenge, if you're not seen it, you've been living under a rock, is where you stack essentially the, like, what milk comes in up and up and up until, you know, there's a high level where you have to get up to the top and then go down. It's like five rungs, but it gets pretty high. There's probably like seven... By the yeah. time you get to the middle of it, by the time you're done, you're totally. Yeah. And, and people keep getting up and they're walking along it, and then it's like, oop, it starts wobbling, starts wobbling, and then they come crashing down. There's nothing to land on. They land on these milk crates, which must be incredibly painful. And half the time, they're they're doing it on concrete. Yeah. 
like, what the fuck is wrong with people? You really want to, you really are dying so badly for somebody to retweet your social media video that you're willing to break your back to do this? Honestly, if we could get uh, Safe with the Podcast going, I think we'd all have to do the Milk Road tra- Challenge. No, no way. You wouldn't get me <laughs> doing it. I'd, I'd rather nobody ever listen to this podcast again. I, cool, uh, Mark might survive it because he's in great shape. Me and you, we'd never bounce back oh again. Oh my god, you guys. <laughs> you wouldn't bounce out of a great either. No offense. Nobody would. Nobody's no, coming back from that. That's why I would never attempt it. But Doyle and I would. Sur- I, I've fallen down the stairs and I bounced back from that, but that was hot enough. I, was saying, saying, I can remember two instances in which you guys have both fallen downstairs in yeah. recent history. Yeah, exactly, and it hurts a lot. And this is a lot worse than falling down the stairs. It, it took you both a, a really long time to recover. I don't know if I have a half. <laughs> <laughs> and this milk crate challenge, like when you get the top of that thing, where like you go to take the step up the top to be like, all right, I'm coming down the other end. I mean, that's about as terrifying as it gets. When you step on that thing, you know it's going down. I, I the only the only person I've seen do it so far successfully, and I watched a decent amount of these videos, was the mascot for the Colts, and I assume he cheated. I assume uh, he glued him in or something uh, like that, you know. I saw a fitness influencer. He walked up the top thing while eating some food. So dickhead. He's some dickhead. And then like someone handed him some dumbbells. He did some bicep curls, and then he walked down. And he finished it. And then I saw a gentleman rolling up a uh, blunt. I saw that too. Licked yeah. it, finished it. By the time he got off, lit it and smoked it. So I that's the only two people I've seen successfully do it though. Uh, mostly, I'm sure plenty. I'm sure plenty have done it. But I have a hard time believing the vast majority of people have. I'd say if like a million people have done it. There's like 10,000. Well, it's just baffling mind. because of how badly these people land. Well, most of them, like, not I mean, well, I don't well, mean well, when, you, when you fall off one of those things, it's like that's... There's no graceful landing. Yeah, there's no, way to, there's no way to land off one of those things. And not for nothing, most of the people doing it are not exactly in tip-top shape. No, of course not. It's a lot of loads, and it's like, oh, look, here I go, I'm gonna, uh... Here I go, do 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 topping up, and they get to the third thing, and down they come in a crashing heap. I saw one guy who was doing it, another guy kicked it out. Yeah, that was rude. If you kick it out on somebody, you get to kill them, obviously. Yeah, because right? I, yeah, I saw the same video. The person that landed, well, first of all, he was probably in a lot of pain. but <laughs> He was in a lot of pain. I imagine he was very upset with that person who ever did that. Did you see they did a milk crate challenge in prison? I don't know how they managed to do that. Well, they I think they might be allowed milk crates. Did you also notice that they were all, they, every one of the prisoners had their own cell phones. That's strange, but, I mean, hey, leave, whatever, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't be, no matter whether you're in prison or you're at home, don't do the milk crate challenge, folks. It's not good for you. You know, I mean, I'm shocked that we haven't seen more people. Maybe they are seriously hurt and they just don't show the after effect. To not break your arm or your leg or your neck oh. or something like that is a miracle. <laughs> so oh, if, you, if you get through it with only just, like, severe bruising and internal bleeding, that's a win. Anything else you want to get into uh, before we wrap this up? I think that's it for me. I didn't have anything either, actually. It's, uh, I mean, it's been a quick turnaround, but we will keep people updated. We're going to uh, let you know when we're going to release the next one. We're going to be back on a little more regular schedule next week. Um, but we've obviously got, uh, you know, as summer continues, or I guess we're wrapping up, but sort of as uh, September and August go, we'll probably be a little tweaking the schedule a little bit, but we'll keep everybody in the loop on that. So uh, thanks again for listening, everybody, and until next week, save it for the podcast.